Three, two, and one. All right. All right, here we are, Shop Class Podcast, and tonight's guest is Mark. Uh, he's got, he's a, um, he is a, actually, I don't know. You know, I'm learning. He's a passive house advocate, and uh, Matt brought him on, uh, and we're going to learn a lot about him. I like him already, though. This guy's got a beard. He's looking old school. It's good. Pro wrestling right. fan. He's a wrestling fan. It's true. The first question I always ask everybody is, did you have shop class growing up? So uh, my high school had it. We had both uh, wood and auto shop. Uh, So I I grew up uh, two blocks from a lumberyard that my dad ran. And uh, when I was in high school, I ran cross country. And the guy who ran uh the the wood shop and the auto shop and and the drafting class uh i know that sounds funny but there was actually a drafting class um he 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 was our cross country coach and the guy was intense as all get out and because i grew up doing the stuff in our home shop our home workshop i did not want my cross country coach as as a teacher because he was way too intense. Uh, and uh, and I didn't have shop class as a result. That you know, it, and it's ironic because now you're you're a guy in, in you're an advocate for, for not only construction but passive houses. And then also you've got you're an advocate for innovations in construction involving the T stud, which we're gonna get into. Yep. And so it's and th- same with me. I didn't have shop class growing up. It wasn't even an option. Um, and it's just ironic how. And then also Matt, right? You didn't have shop class either. <laughs> we well, we had the class I teach, but I didn't take it. And we had auto shop when I was in school. But like woodworking and all that stuff was just the hobby that I kind of did with my dad. And I liked building things, but for whatever reason, I just I just didn't take it in school just because I don't know it. I, I didn't think of it as that, that was going to be my career. It was just something I like to do. And, you know, when you're a football player in the summer back in the 90s, you did manual labor jobs like bail hay and work for construction crews and things like that. That's just what your job, your summer job was. So it, yep. to me, it was just a job. Yeah. Uh, Duke, did you have shop class? Oh, man. I was a shop class king. I had them all. So, uh <laughs> Had it in like middle school. I was like, what, what is this class? But same thing. Like my dad, my dad, uh, like union carpenter has his own landscaping business and everything. So we are always around it. But then when you're able to take it in school, it was like, man, you could go to school and do this kind of stuff. So immediately in the middle school, I fell in love with it. And then I, uh, went to high school and, you know, I took those classes right away and I lived there. Like I'd have uh, milk and cookies with the shop teachers in the morning. Uh-huh. They'd write all my late passes. Once, you know, I tried going outside the box and I went to a government class and I showed up at the door and the teacher's like, do you know where you're at? You might want to go back on the other side of this school, you know, and take those classes that you're used to. I tell everyone, you know, if I took that government class, I probably could have been president. But... <laughs> Here I am, a shop teacher. That's so funny. Oh Not my less dress, I guess, right? If only yeah. our presidents were required to take government classes. <laughs> yeah. Or, oh, yeah. or shop classes. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah, now we're getting somewhere. 
in our family, we say that all presidents should be farmers, just like the first ones, right? Yeah. If you're not in touch with the land, you probably don't have an almanac. And if you don't know what an almanac is, you shouldn't run a country. And, uh, ben Franklin, I mean, he was a apprentice in a print shop, and I think he was a boiling maker as well. Uh, I, think he, I think he did metal work. I'm not even sure. Uh, huh. Timmy, did you have a shop class growing up? Yeah, I had shop class in middle school. I had a wood shop freshman year, metal shop. I'm sorry, wood shop seventh grade, metal shop eighth grade for a semester each. And then my freshman year, I had wood shop again for a semester and metal shop again for a semester. But then... When I was a sophomore, I started taking video production classes instead. So I got out of the shop class realm. So I never took graphic arts in high school, auto shop, you know, like advanced metal shop and uh, small engines. I wish I took those. Nice. And I do so have funny. a fun, I do have a fat, fun fact of shop. I was the last class of seventh grade when they offered it in junior high. My wife, Carmen, and I were in the same class together. I cut all her pieces out for her. Ah, she's like, you remember in seventh grade when you had I you had to cut all my pieces out for me in shop class? I was like, oh yeah, I do. <laughs> and then and then she failed because they were all the wrong sizes, right? Right. Yeah. Well, now she keeps making me cut more pieces for it. That's the problem. <laughs> now, my, now it's on a honeydew list. Did you there get you rid of bad pieces and you kept the good ones? <laughs> what? So did you did you keep all the good pieces and give her the bad ones? Oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know but let me let me second guess oh not second guess but let me kind of second what i was just saying so the the opposite semesters that i took um like metal like metal shop and wood shop when i was in seventh grade in middle school in eighth grade we, the other side of that was um home ec so we had a marking period of cooking and then a marking period of sewing so that was you know, that was good then, too. I mean, I still know how to sew on a button because of that. So it's interesting because our high school, the shop class, the wood and the auto one, were only for males. And the whole mech were only for females. Like, really interesting that they're able to get away with that classification. I mean, today they couldn't, but... Um, oh, no, they, they still try. And I... I go down to the guidance department every year and I, and I, it's all women down there. And I say, look, you, if you, if you look in the schools, the roster shows that the guys are the ones that take shop class. But if you look at the NASA roll call, you will see all women engineers. In fact, we've had a rocket engineer on this podcast and she's awesome. You know, she's very well at explaining stuff. Plus she's, they're managing, she's managing welders. She understands time and temperature. She, under, she understands all that stuff way more than I do. Um, so, and then also another ironic part is that uh, if you go to a, like a restaurant, all the guys are chefs, right? But, but, the, but the home ec class was supposed to be all girls. <laughs> it's just like, what? <laughs> That's a really true statement. Wow. Yeah. When are you going to see it? I mean, there probably is female chefs, but in general, I mean, I was a waiter. We didn't have any, there was no female running the kitchen as a male. I, I don't, I don't regret 
taking those classes in middle school. I don't. I, I don't. I mean, yeah. And I think it was like this, the second cycle year that we had the metal shop and then we had, um, you know, home ec or whatever it was. I, I still think we did the same projects. Like we still did a sewing project. We still did, you know, but it was a little bit more complex of a sewing project. And then, but and I st we still cooked maybe the first year we were making like muffins and cookies. But now the, like that second time I thought maybe we, maybe we made a pie or something. I don't, I don't remember. Um, but it was, it was valuable, very, very valuable. And I would have taken another, I would have taken home ec another year, you know, did, another time if I had the opportunity. Did you guys have to do the egg babies? I don't remember doing egg babies. I don't yeah, remember we, that. We did those. Did you have to carry around a yeah egg? for a week and not? And if you, so what our teacher would do, she would mark the bottom of the egg with a fingernail polish. I was supposed to be discontinued. Well, my mom had like all this old, fingernail polish and me and my buddy's eggs did not survive. I, I bet my mom forged half of my class's egg babies. <laughs> everybody was doing good like through the week and it was, it was like Thursday hit and then like hell hit the shit hit the fan and <laughs> somehow we all ended up breaking our eggs. <laughs> they do that at my school now. They do the, the egg babies in, in health class. They do that. Now, at my former school, where I was before I, where I'm at now, they did flower babies and in the preschool classroom. And it was amazing because what they would do is they would get a hat and they would have all these – they would throw all these things in into this bag. And if you got the unlucky lottery, you got triplets. Oh. Yeah. And like twins – you know, or like you had an eight pound baby or you had a four pound baby or whatever you had. Like, so all these kids ended up having to pick out of a hat, not knowing what they would get. And then they would have to carry that baby around for uh, two weeks. And they made the principal, like whatever they call it now, children and youth services. So if there was a baby left on it, like a flower baby left unattended, they would report the baby to, or they would report the kid to children and youth services, which was the principal, to get the baby back. <laughs> I've never heard the word flower baby in my life. That's hilarious. But it, and it literally is flower. It literally is flower. They take, they take a sack and they like, they double, triple bag the flower and they, they measure it, they weigh it in. And the best part of it was, they even sewed on legs and heads and arms and everything. And then the kids would go out and they would go figure out what size clothes the baby had. And the kids would go buy these clothes and they would dress them up. They would change the outfits. It was like, it was what, pretty cool. What a prosperous country we're in where we can give people bags of flowers to pretend they're children. Yeah. Oh my well, God! Have you seen the new babies? They're little like robot doll things. Oh yeah, that wake up in the middle of the night and they cry and like they have a black box in them, more or less. Yeah, that gives all the data back of how they were treated, if they were shaken, if they're this and that. So like you'll be at football games, you'll see a girl carrying. Usually it's a girl carrying a what looks to be a realistic baby, but it's a doll. And that thing will start crying. It'll, it, everything. You're 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 a mom for a week or a dad. Yeah. yeah there's there's three cool. settings on those. There's three settings on there. There's easy, medium, and hard. 
because the lady down the lady in the hall had them, and she would always threaten the kids to put it on hard. So, but every kid got it on medium. It was on medium. Like she she never put it on hard, and uh, so they all had everybody had the same the same yeah. situation. I gotta say, Tim, if 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 my sister came home with a baby like that, as soon as she went to sleep, I I'd be shaking that thing, and <laughs> you know what I mean, like <laughs> like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you do to your child? Nothing. I was wonderful. Yeah. my brother did it. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to I bring it back to Matt for a second, uh, Matt. So. Give us some context. How did you meet uh, Mark? Uh, and so this, let's get some context here because I think this is, you know, for those who are listening, this is like a, a world of uh, construction trades enthusiasts that it's amazing to me. I mean, I'm more like the car guy, but I find your the passion and all the Networking and and knowledge is amazing. So I want to hear, you know, Matt. So how did you how did you meet? Uh, how did you, should we call you Willie? Is it Matt? It's Mark Willie, right? Mark. You Willie. could call me Mark. You could call me Willie. Uh, oh, big Willie. You know, we're all good, man. All right, all right. So, so Matt, how did you guys meet? Um, man, I don't even know what the official thing was. I know Steve Basic was the one who technically made the connection for us. You know, like sent the email or whatever. You know, whatever got us connected. Um, it really, I guess it probably started with Steve basic, who I've talked about before, who's helped out my class, who, when COVID hit, jumped on and worked with the kids with floor plans and stuff, um, who is providing the floor plans for the house that we're getting ready to start. Um, now Mark was involved, is involved with T stud, which, uh, you've, you know, we've said here and stuff and Mark and Steve had been collaborating obviously with Oh, excuse me, with um, projects. And so somewhere in between there, Mark and Steve talked and must have said something about what's going on with my program. And, oh, me and Mark have probably been in contact for over a year now since it's been a while. It was, uh, it was early COVID yeah. because you were trying to plan yeah. for, for the fall. I, was, I think it was almost pre-drawing. Uh, but then obviously yeah our schedules yeah. got uh uh what do they call it Uprated. we got the coronavirus right yeah so yeah so that's how and then mark so on the building side residential building special build especially building science getting into you know building better positive uh, passive house stuff you can't turn on social media without seeing mark somewhere and really you can't turn it on without seeing steve somewhere too that guy's everywhere as well but I, uh i love the idea of like these energy audits and this passive house stuff i think it's so cool because the house i'm in right now i rent it it's a carriage house so it's basically like an apartment above a garage and then there's a little extension and it's great because i'm in the back so i get some privacy and you know when it's cold in the winter and it it's if it's windy you could drop a feather in the middle of the apartment and it will move so i it's right going right through and luckily i like the place cold so uh maybe that's why i'm single but anyway so <laughs> i don't have a huge heat bill but when i had a girlfriend here oh my god you know the bill would be crazy because there's no insulation so so that got me interested 
and I had a friend of mine that used to do the blower door thing, which is very interesting. Uh, so I think that this is a underrated, underrated, because you could save so much money if you knew exactly what the problem was. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool. So you guys hooked up, and then, uh, uh, yeah, Mark, thanks for, uh, sorry, Matt, thanks for bringing them on. Now, what is, um, I saw on your, like, I looked over here and I saw on your Instagram, it says Passive House Accelerator. And I went on there. What is this? <laughs> what is going on here? I'll, I'll, I'll back up before I answer that round, because when you had Matt's page up, you had the, the we call it uh, the red door of truth. <laughs> right. Um, and and what it really is, is it's it's an incredible tool. Right. So just as we as we have in, these ad, intense computers and tech for for our automotive and truck world, this is the diagnostic testing tool to commission and to calibrate your building or to find out that stuff went sideways, right? That is so, a fantastic way of describing it. It's your diagnostic tool. I love that. It 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 it, it totally is. And and our short answer, because if you talk about well, we have a blower door and and it has a shroud and and we pressurize the house to 50 pascals, like you lose the whole room and they're like, uh, can this person be quiet? I just came to learn something. And then if you start the discussion and saying this is the red door of truth, and it's like, what does that mean? And then you say it's a tool to test the building, and they say, what does that mean? So now you actually get the Kool-Aid being drank. Wow. That's exactly how to describe it. That's very interesting. That is so cool. Now, I, you know, I don't know anything. So maybe we'll stay on this for a second. So, yeah. like, okay. So let's say you get like, can I, do I have to buy one of these doors? Do I have, can I rent it? Do I call a professional that knows how to do it? What would be like if I'm a renter? I mean, I'm not going to, it would be good actually to know where the worst problem is. Maybe I could fix it for cheap and it'd be worth it. But if I, I would say, house, what do I, do? I would say not everyone needs a 36 foot ladder and not everyone needs a, a high performance impact wrench to get those lug nuts off, you know, in 2.4 seconds, NASCAR style. Right. Right. So it's, it's like everything, right? You, you find a friend, you ask around because it, it's not a tool you need. It might be a tool that's required for code because it is, uh, but it doesn't mean you need that tool. Right. So, just like a, a painter can show up, right, with his roller, his pan, and his brush and be ready to go, and the next guy could show up, and he's got the sprayer, and he's got the masking equipment. There's there's different levels of experience, and I would say you don't need a red door because you want to hire the person that runs the red door every day. You want that person got running it. your red door. It's not just the door. You need the person that runs it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well said. I, I, I've trained people how to use it. I've been trained how to use it. And every time, 
it's like the first time your dad had to rewind a VCR tape. It takes a minute, and then you figure out this is how you do it. <laughs> and these blower doors, even with our thank you to Ret Retrotech uh, on the education discount, I mean, it's still like three grand. You know, and, and that, the thing is for us, we got it because it's something we're and we only use it three times a year or no, no, no. Three times a build, maybe four. If you really, if we really want to. But for me, I knew it was something I was going to use and train and whatever. And I don't. Well, the close. I mean, I well, actually, I just found out our plumber out of all people own one. Um, <laughs> but he, he's, he's like a super tool guy. Like any tool yeah. comes out, he wants it like. But he understands what it does, how it works, blah, blah, blah. So. Anyways, but um, this is the this is the Jake Bruton had to come, was the one that came over and showed us how to operate it for three hours away. Him and Travis came over and did the build show with us. And uh, but like I said, for us, it's something we'll use it all. You know, every build, teaching tool we can. And the thing is, for me to hire somebody or have somebody come over, I got two classes. I don't always know when we're going to be ready. So it was just like, hey, I called Retrotech. I'm like, hey, this is what we're doing. They cut us a good deal. We we had the money to spend on it, and we did it. So, But the good thing is, really, it should last us forever. So, Right. And and you, there is there is a calibration that happens. So so there, when we talk about the performance metric, the – a, a, a code house in let's just pick the US it says you can you can e exchange the air in your house uh, five times an hour right roughly and so that's the equivalent of leaving your door half open all the time that's a code house so when mom and dad said were you born in a barn it's because they got it right close the refrigerator door, close the front door. Or So when you look at this page here, it now puts a, a red shroud right over it, and then it puts that fan, and then the fan has different size holes. So obviously your goal is the smallest, smallest, smallest hole um, because that means that the air coming in and out of your building is controlled versus not controlled. And that creates a whole interesting discussion because once you make a house this tight, that, that, that thing is either pressurizing it, filling it with air at 50 pascals or depressurizing it, which means you're sucking the air out of the house and you're sucking the outside world into it, right? It's a vacuum. It can only go this way. That's a that's a crap ton of air. So if that house is really sealed, in a few days, if you don't open the front door, someone's going to die. So it's that severe that now you need to bring air into a building just like our banks and our schools have done for generations. They, they create controlled makeup air. That's the part that I was always curious about. So it's like, okay, yeah, I want to seal off the air. But then once you do that, uh, yeah, you have better insulation. But then what do you do? So you have to have some sort of air exchange system now, right? That's it. So um, you, you, you can just bring the air in or you could cross 
the air going out with the air going in without actually touching, right? Bring it through a manifold so you have the energy transfer, and that is an HRV. So it's harnessing the energy leaving and transferring it to the energy coming in so that that delta, that outside temperature to that inside in, in temperature is reduced. So you're requiring less energy to be comfortable. And that's what it all does. First, you first you seal the space, like just like our igloo cooler. That's sealed. That's tight. And then we insulate it. So now the energy is not transferring. Uh, our value is resistance, right? And that brings it in and out. And that that makes us comfortable. Interesting. And the air exchanger, does that have to be a big unit? Like what 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 is this like? Because don't you have to? Okay, it's about that big. All right. Matt, so they're they're small that. ones, right? This is about the size of this big. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, here, Ron, you're gonna like this, and Matt's gonna fall off his chair laughing. <laughs> one of, one of the classic answers in the building science community. When you have a pinpointed question, like you have, like, hey, well, give me an idea what the size is. Is it like my water heater? Yada, yada. And the building scientists love to play with that answer, and they say, it depends. Right. And sometimes that that actually is a cover-up for not knowing the answer, um, but sometimes it's genuine, right? Like, hey, uh, how big is a car, right? Yeah. Good point. <laughs> how much does a bag of groceries cost? Right. Yeah. How, how much? How much? Like, what size engine? A lot of people ask me, like, how many, how do you know how many batteries do you put in an electric car? I don't know. How far? How fast do you want to go? How how heavy is the car? How big is the front of the car? Do you want to fill the trunk? Are you just delivering them to your buddy down the street, or are you Great trying question. to use them? <laughs> this guy's good. That's funny. I want to steal that stuff. And by the way, if you're looking for batteries, go for the, the Nissan Leaf. They're the best long-lasting batteries. Those Prius ones are a crap show. Those okay. Leaf ones are incredible. Oh, are you uh, – kind of a side topic. Are you doing anything with – oh, are you doing off-grid stuff? Is that why you know about batteries? All right. Now you're talking yes. my language, baby. Amp hours. Yeah. So I just had to buy a battery today from Europe. Because I couldn't find a reply. I have a, a Fiero. That's oh yeah. And it was converted by somebody else in California in 2012. Wow. But, and then they sold it to somebody in Jersey, and the guy let it go. Like he just didn't take care of it. So I got it for like nothing. I got it for like 1,800 bucks. But then one of the batteries of the 32 went flat dead, and I'm like dead, 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 zero, zero, zero. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, I'll just pull it out and get a replacement. The replacement is $330 and the same amount to ship it. You have to get it from Czechoslovakia, and then they're getting it from China. So, oh, my God. But, but with you know, it's just an experiment for now. But if you There's probably a warehouse in Jersey that has 40,000 of them. I tried. <laughs> you know, I, I called – I use Battery Hookup. Tom from Battery Hookup is pretty cool. And uh, he, he has all kinds of recycled batteries like – the military throws out batteries like crazy. Believe it or not, Amazon throws out those little Amazon batteries. They throw them out. 
anything that didn't that had one little tiny defect to get everything's in there bmw leaf nissan uh volts uh uh tesla everything's in there and you can pick them up for like almost nothing because they would rather have somebody reuse it than have to break it down for material yep yeah that's cool absolutely so what are you doing on that space in the off-grid space so it, it's a it's an interesting segue. You mentioned before we started recording that, that you like the idea of passive house. So why do I bring that up when you said off-grid? So I think it's crazy when people add renewables to a building. Let's just use solar panels before they deal with the building's energy use. It, it's like, I can't tell you how many projects I've come to and they got these beautiful, sexy solar panels on the roof and they call you for a roof job, right? And you're like, oh, now I know what I'm dealing with. You ordered the syrup before you ordered the pancakes. Nice uh -huh. going, right? So um, in the world of off-grid, First, I think about you're having a light impact on the environment. And if you do it right, you're having a light impact on the land and the space that you're putting the building. So you're not ripping out all that soil, losing all the nutrients and filling it full of this petroleum and concrete. So you're creating a structure that's not impacting but it's also requiring less energy to make it comfortable. And once you require less energy to make it comfortable, you need less renewables. You need less solar, right? Uh, of course, you could go around and put two chest freezers for your deer meat and two stand-up refrigerators because your kids drink a lot of milk. But if, if you don't require that much energy... Now you don't need that much energy. Now you don't have that many bills. Uh, bills. So in Texas, we were waiting for uh, trusses, right? Because the whole market had a wood dilemma here and a glue dilemma there. So we're waiting for trusses. And when we are done with this building, we're going to put a massive solar array on the top because it's an off-grid property. Truly no electric on site. And while we're waiting for trusses, we went ahead and put in the solar uh, because we had time to kill, right? We're waiting on the trusses. So now while the solar's in, here's where the magic happens. Now, that pesky thing called a generator, right? That goes, and someone asks you a question, and all you hear is, right? That's gone. So we bought table saws, chop saws, welders, welders, and all of it run off of our batteries. Wow. There's no generator. There's no noise, pollutant, diesel, guzzling, messy thing that you burn your arm on. I love that. And it's just quiet, quiet uh, tools, right? That charged, is charged by this, this orange dot. That yeah. sits by the clouds. You know, it's funny. I So I mess around with the cars. Last summer, I went to uh, Bonneville. I was lucky enough to go there. It's like a racing situation. 
and they had a, a a guy there that had a trailer. He calls himself Tier Four Solar, and uh, they had a trailer there that would um, it it only it would charge up batteries that then they could charge the race car and the welders and everything. So everything was off grid. It was such a cool thing. Um, I'll just give you a little. Let me see if I can find it. But anyway, yeah, I know what you're saying. So. So what about like were the batteries in the house? Oh, so so for this project, I I well I've been a carpenter and framer and builder my whole life. I've also had uh, uh, a metal fabrication business, so I did a lot of welding and I did a lot of container work. And and my friend in Texas was also in the container space. I don't want to interrupt you, but this is it. This is the tier four solar. So oh well that's sexy right yeah and then we there was a tesla there we charged it up this is uh uh oh it's escaping my his name right now He's were, very were you were, were you at a, a hot rod raceway it was uh at bonneville raceway it was speed week oh look at that yeah and so then uh these are all like streamliners they're trying to go as a land speed records as fast as possible and this, okay. uh, a, a fan had a car and we charged it up <laughs> Yeah. So Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because the way you're talking about it, it makes perfect sense. It's exciting, yet it's super rare. It's still well, it, like it, a it, weird it, thing. It's, it's rare, but think about like for the construction side, when you go to do a project, by the time you get the, it, it, you know, if there wasn't a building on site before, right? By the time you get the the municipality and the electric company to come out and run the lines and do the drop downs and your electrician to do all those steps, like there's there's a huge time loss because that's how that phase work. But if you drop a container full of your batteries, full of everything to get the project started, dig a hole. Let's roll. All right. What are we going to do for Matt? We got to get Matt off grid, or at least his construction off grid. Yeah. Uh, so I think I mentioned this to you, Mark. The idea of so we had that mobile classroom, putting the solar panels on the mobile because we just got the temporary power hooked up from the um, power company for the next job site today. Actually, that you say that, but so so the the problem and this is just you know, a working discussion, right? Uh, oftentimes the job site trailers and the trailers that are used for that instance, Matt, oftentimes the ability to mount to the thin gauge aluminum or to hold the support structure for the winds that fly through where you're at are going to take those solar panels and send them through someone's, you know, through someone's Tesla windshield. Uh, so if your, if your job site trailer and office is robust, that you have, you know, the right wall gauge on your tube stock, then, uh, I would say, let's, let's, uh, put out the megaphones, get you some solar panels and start charging those Milwaukee's and Metabos and DeWalt's and any other Bosch, right? uh load them up right kids love tools if they don't like tools then 
odds are uh, they forget that they have one in their hand that they're using, right? Phone's a tool. Yeah. So, Matt, do you know how much electricity you used during the duration of, like, from day from day zero of the first <laughs> build to the last build to now? Like, I'm just curious. Do you know? I, I don't, but I could get a hold of that number. It's going to be outrageous because our temporary heat was so what kind of sucked for us. Our temporary heat was electric, and it worked great. I mean, all we did was keep it so it cut the chill. The problem was we hadn't got insulation, even though we were tight keeping air in the insulation, there was no insulation in the attic yet. So we were still losing. And, and the fact that we had to go through two winters, which wouldn't be normal. Um, yeah. As, as the heat, so as the temporary heat source for an electric power, that's gonna, that's gonna drive you bone dry. Yeah. But for and the they, most they part, they five or 10 KW should be more than enough for any build. No, you know, it's one of those things. Everybody, everybody right now, these days are driven on data, the like data, this data, that data, data, that. Right. So it's just, it would be interesting to know, like, how much did you use? What, what are you using it for? You know, whether, whether you use, you know, all your battery power or you use a portion of the battery power or whatever it is, you're still supplementing that, you know, with or from the from the I guess from the actual grid itself so it would be cool to see like how much did you make how much do you use what did you get from the grid and everything like that and I think that's a good teaching lesson also from you know from the standpoint like yeah we're a mobile classroom you know we we, we use you know say 5,000 gigawatts or whatever you're using and then you know, you, you look back and then you turn around the and say, well, what? Yeah. Then you look back and say, well, yeah, we used 5,000, but we made 1,200, you know? Well, and our cost would have been X amount, but we really only made it this, you know, this much. And, and the power that they're using just for occupant lighting and tool use is so minimal. But, but again, the COVID thing and and the need for the heating an extra season truly that's a different line item because of situation and so they're doing it for the benefit of the building during that space and they're doing it truly for the benefit of the students but that that that's an added line item that could be excused or found a supplemental sponsor because the data proves that the, the school and the student, the building didn't require it. The events surrounding it did. Yeah. And, and you know, you made a good point there, Mike. Or Mike, geez. Mark. Um, we were at the point in the build where we had to keep everything constant. We couldn't just turn everything off, close the doors and leave because you got cabinets in there. Or, yeah, everything's, you know, we, you know. Tim knows he works with wood. He's a woodworker. He knows, you know, moisture, heat, cooling changes. It all is going to start messing. You know, we've been coming in to drywall cracks and all kinds of things. So we were kind of stuck on having to go that route, which again, God willing, we don't have to deal with that this time around. Um, but we also, you know, I may focus a little bit more on trying to get the actual, um, you know, our source of conditioning commissioned 
during the build so it can handle. The only problem is with that, but then you're dealing with, you got to clean everything at the end and make sure you're not, you know, too much, you you know, you got to protect the equipment from dust. And so it's going to be another balancing act with it comes to that, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking for different and better ways, but yeah, they, the, the power company straight up told our superintendents like, uh, you guys were like heating the outside. And I said, yeah, that's it. We were. And and that's the joy of the passive house as well. Right. The amount of BTUs, right. That's required for that space will then be different because of the resistance layer of the insulation. You know, I was just, I was just thinking, you know, right here as I'm, listening to you guys imagine matt if you walked in you know you have your mobile classroom but then you have another trailer that you pull behind your truck and it has all your solar panels like so you come in you know and then you unfold all your panels right and then that's another trailer that parks in the backyard you run a couple cables or whatever you run and then that powers the mobile classroom i mean you could you have these cable these different setups you know that's that would be cool too yeah imagine if you could rent the tier four solar um, trailer, something like it, you know, and then because you only need it for a couple of months, right? While you're doing the thing, or do you need it the whole time? We, well, you wouldn't need it the whole time because once you have power in the house, it, like I said, really the biggest thing for us, it comes down to the temporary heating because cooling, we don't mess with temporary cooling, but we run a dehumidifier that inside the house because. If it's 80 inside the house and relative humidity is 40, you're golden. Yeah. But, you know, now if you're moving around in there, you're going to kick it up a little bit and you'll sweat a little bit, but it's pretty comfortable. But it's that temporary heat. That's what, that's what kills that. That's where you, that's where you're using the energy. Like, and that's the problem we'd have to solve. But yeah, like if we couldn't put enough solar powers on the trailer, the mobile classroom, whether it's not strong enough or safe, or we just didn't have enough coverage um some, somebody was talking about this idea we talked about this kind of once before with somebody on here but yeah the the roll it in and you know hit the go go gadget button and the wings fly out and the solar panels are dude that would be and, and, and not always like the trailer ron show was you know pretty robust with how that goes but a lot of times depending on your location and the time of year right because the sun's at different levels you can really get a robust panel uh, from from just the vertical alone. It's a uh, it, it is site dependent, right? If you guys are on a spot and there's just these beautiful oak trees everywhere and maple and willow trees, like forget about it, right? So yeah, well, Ron, your buddy that was on here from New Jersey the other when he you know had the on his gazebo roof or whatever, yeah, like that's what he said. He's like. He's like, you know, there's supposed to be this perfect angle, and there is. He goes, but you'll you, for his garage, you know, he just has it flat on his gazebo. It acts like a roof. It was pretty slick, and he, he like he runs everything. And it was that was an impressive one. Yeah, that was yeah. sunlight conversions. That's another Matt. He's he's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, he's got a good. He's got basically he's got his house. It's a combination of off grid and uh, tied in, so he gets paid, and he has a battery. Um, not any particular brand. Uh, we'll have to send you that episode to show you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at this guy. The trampoline. 
But what yeah. a huge room that is. Holy yeah. shnikes. Yeah, that's the master bedroom. We, we it, it, and not only is it a good enough size, it's technically outside away from the rest of the house. So there is some, some privacy ish. Yep. <laughs> privacy yeah, with six kids, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah until a four year old turns our king size bed into a trampoline and <laughs> tumbling <laughs> that. So, yeah. so, so, Mark, getting back to your build, your passive house build, and what you're doing. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you. I think. What? So, are you? So, tell us more about that. Do you have a build going, or you want to tell us a story about that? That that off grid build. Um, so, the gentleman's name is Andrew Seely. That company is G Pod Americas, and I believe there is uh, in your Google search a hyphen between the G and the P. Uh, so we met because they had a certified container that opened up to a dwelling. Like it actually ships through any container yard and opens up. And I was like, God, I've done a lot of containers. There you go. But I've never done anything sexy like that. So awesome. that's the stack version right there. But there's a another version that doesn't have one on top of it. There you go. So each, each module that you see there is 12 foot uh, deep by 24 foot wide. And actually now we have a, a shed style slope roof. That's the container version. I wasn't part of the container version. Uh, that's how we met. Um, and yeah, this is pretty damn slick. Uh, so this next version, we designed it so you can have as many modules as you want based on the 12 by 24 or besides just going deep because that works for so many lots you can also get a higher structural engineering on 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 the layers and now you can go up so it's not just a, a module that goes out but it goes up and our design is based for site builders panelized construction Prefab or modular. The one on the left is the one we're doing now. That one. Yep. This is real? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my Instagram has a crap ton of photos from when I was just Hey, Ron, I just put the Instagram link in the chat. Pull it there up. It is. You'll, see, you'll see the framing and stuff. It's pretty yeah. slick. Yep, you got it. It's pretty slick. Yeah, so we, we yeah, there's a lot of engineered wood, and uh, then we had these radiuses made you know just by the local steel guy so that we oh, yeah. can put the glue lamps together in a cold connection and then the the buildings orientated based on based on the site and the sunlight and the porches are orientated if you see how it's all resting on 12 posts off the ground so that's the only impact to the ground is those 12 posts and then um yeah right behind it Maybe in this video or one of the other ones, you'll see uh, the solar panels and all that. Really nice build. Andrew's a good mate, you know, wonderful guy. And uh, oh, he would be into our that's game. Andrew right there. Oh, yeah, yep. we, he would love this. Then he's got to look at we had uh, a guy who does aftermarket parts for BMWs just like that. Oh, all the guys on this build. Like they're all have, you should see the cars. Oh, it's got a midget. 
Oh, the 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 guys on this build, they we were all hanging out. You see the solar panel in the oh, back yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. over the orange car? Yeah. So those are designed to pop into the corner castings of the container and then track the sun as well, the sun doesn't move, but you know, track us, right? Yeah. It's kind of funny. We always say to follow the sun, but sun said still. There you go. God, you're fast. And that's all the <laughs> you, you notice all the DeWalt sitting there. We we bought those, but it would have been nice if they were a little more generous. Uh thank you, DeWalt. Love you guys. Um, I really do love them. And me too. That's the tools I got. They they're bulletproof, man. They 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 are. I I also like Rigid and Milwaukee and Bosch and Matabo, right? We're a brand agnostic. <laughs> I I have Bosch in my school. You should see the you should see the way they take they take a beating at a high school kid. Oh, if it's teenager proof, that's the highest level. Yeah, Bosch, Bosch. I have a it, lot of respect for Bosch right now. <laughs> I I would say Tim uh, in. In my record, right? So in my in my metal shop, we always used to compete as to who could tear up a grinder faster. And uh, in in one day, so the brand we liked the most was Bosch, but I went through the metabos and everything else. But in one day, I burnt six grinders. That was my personal record. It it happened to be a twenty three hour day, oh my but. God. The, the tool supply store down the street, as soon as you burn the grinders, you give them to them. You know, you still have to have the box and they give you a brand new one. And uh, in in one week, our entire crew went through. Uh, it was it was close to 100. It was 93 grinders in one week. What? Yep. Holy cow. Well, you, when, when you when you turn it on. Right. And you got your flap disc and your finishing disc on there and you're holding it with safety glasses right and proper handles of course wink wink uh we would hold that down and and you don't turn it off until you got a pee break right so you're just going and going and going and basically that little i think it's that little tiny carbon chip when you go and take that out that just smokes out so if you're smart you can put that in but like we just went down the street because it it was next to the taco place. So I got new grinders when I got new tacos. And uh, yeah, I went through six that day, but it was definitely close to a hundred. Like at some point you do push down and you, you try to burn it up. Right. But when that thing starts smoking on you, you gotta, you gotta unplug it. Cause a full on fire will shoot out of them. Whoa. Yep. That, that copper in there is, is sewed on hot and you're, you know, you're usually wearing gloves. You should. So you're not feeling that heat transfer, but your handle hand never gets the heat transfer. And that's where it smokes out. Wow. That's crazy. Leaning in on it so that you're like, ah, if I put a little pressure here, I can get it to go a little bit quicker. And then I'll put a little bit more pressure on it. And then next thing you know, you, you're leaning in it and you got your old body weight on it. You're fully leaning in because you don't want to buy more flap discs because they're so expensive, right? Yeah. So, what? so you're you're using your old. Oh, he's on his one wheel yeah, there. What's going on here? So he's so fun. He uses that all day long on compacted gravel 
the one wheel because you know it it truly is an off-grid site. He's he's awesome. He's just an what's, what's this guy an amazing name? human being. What what's his name? A Andrew Seeley. Okay. Um, um so he's in Bull Verde, which is right outside of San Antonio. And um he he was living in this, well, he still lives in it, and uh then he has another one for an office, and then there's several on site. There's a fitness one, there's a solar one, there's a battery one, there's a tool one, there's a components one. Um and yeah, amazing, amazing human being. We so need to get him on here, Ron. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I sent him the link. I thought he was gonna be here. Yeah, because he was you know, say he was connecting a lot there on the posts and stuff on LinkedIn and Instagram. And he just started following me after the the uh Dave Cooper Live. Got it. Yeah, he has not missed a single BS Friday live show, and we've been 67 weeks. And almost everything I post, Andrew's the first one to comment. Uh, all the suppliers on on his. So, can you zoom in on that bench? So, here's what's amazing, right? So that container wall flips up. That entire that entire four inch tube steel round tube for the for the right there. Yeah. That whole thing goes inside. The other side of the container slides back in, and then that that uh that bench is perforated aluminum. I mean, I it it is a masterpiece that piece because you gotta think that first they had to perforate in you know complete flat stock right, and then they had to bend it with all those holes uh, and it still had to be rigid. So it's a crazy thick gauge of aluminum. And while it is a seat, uh, it doubles as a handrail. So certainly the most expensive handrail we've ever seen uh, and not code compliant because uh, it's more than a four inch gap underneath there for a kid to tumble and, you know, break the ground but uh that that that's one of my favorite features of it and then people say well why would you make the bench face inward you should make it face outward well that's an eight by 20 container so 160 feet matt's bedroom is more than 160 his bed is almost 160 square feet so now that outside space is truly something you would use quite a bit but inside of that is a cat uh uh is a small kitchen is a small bath and that's the bed over there and a, a desk area so really uh, a space like that you might not want in maine or oregon during january and february or or, or, or jersey but during uh -huh. the summer months fresh air baby 24 7. this is awesome I'm so excited because I really don't want a regular house. I mean, I say that now, but I've never liked the idea of a regular I grew up in a regular house. It's annoying to me. I yeah. Oh, hey, Steve Basics here. Holy crap. Wow. Legendary. But, hey, let me ask you a question, though. Now, that container is sitting on the actual ground. 
is or is it or they're like helical piles in the ground like yeah so, it, so uh here my building science answer tim is it depends um <laughs> so Everything some depends. of those containers are are placed temporarily for the build and um then they'll be deployed elsewhere for other projects like you know it 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 just depends so it's a very light impact area steve was just out there uh and did a lot of coverage of the job site uh, you might have seen his instagram post it was somewhere in texas and now everywhere i travel because i don't really want to tell people where i am in, in case i miss a meeting right so some somewhere right now we're somewhere in uh somewhere in google teams google meets whatever you call it <laughs> hey, uh, I just Steve. I just started following well, Steve. Right. Hey Steve, uh, welcome to Shop Class Podcast. We don't see you yet, and I there was a little bit of a feedback, so I I muted you. But unmute yourself at any time, and if you could figure out how to join us, that'd be great. Oh, I can. I know how to join you. I just don't know if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> is this guy from Jersey? I like this guy already. This is the attitude. He's near Boston. Okay, that's that East Coaster right there. That was good. <laughs> Steven, uh, how are you, brother? He's eating. That's why he didn't want to go on camera. Which we, we, we hey, well, Steve's doing better than us. I think we were all sitting here munching on pizza. At least he's eating. <laughs> are you eating a pear? <laughs> right, so, well, hey, thanks for joining. I've heard a lot about you. Sorry, sorry, it took me a while. I just got finished with a client meeting, so. Oh, don't even worry, man. <laughs> We're in, I'm in the middle of purchasing a uh, tiny home, passive house, off-grid, <laughs> solar, uh, thingamabob. Uh, <laughs> what a dumb idea that is. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you really feel. <laughs> this is too much. Uh, so this is good. We just went over the whole G pod uh, and talked about off grid solar. Ron, you said you have four pages of questions. Is that right? <laughs> well, you know, we started here. I want to know oh, what, right. is, what is yeah. going on here? What is this? <laughs> so it's a really cool graphic right there. Um, they This is a new website. So Passive House Accelerator has been around for two and a half years. And I might botch this up and have people not like what I say, but it's okay, it's my words. Um, Accelerator was set up because there's two Passive House organizations. There's the Passive House Institute uh, out of Germany uh, with Wolfgang Feist that founded it. And then there's the Passive House Institute U.S. Uh, that came out of Illinois with Katrin Klingenberg. And uh, at one point in time, they were all friends and, and trying to do things together and, and, and really move, move the, the, what they knew about the wall and energy use to a unified front and Sometimes German clocks tick a certain way, and so it, it didn't work out. They, they, they 
had a little bit different path to bring it forward. So they became different organizations. So it's just like Coke and Pepsi or Budweiser and Miller. There's two different ways to do it. But again, we all like refreshments, right? So the accelerator was, let's pull it together. Let's, let's, let's bring forth that buildings can require less energy to operate. And then let's try and bring forth the building science practices that Steve has based his career off of for the industry. And that's saying, how can we make this building more durable, more reliable, and quit doing dumb stuff? And so it's a way of bringing that together. Yeah, I really like that. You know, um, and there's just not enough people that know about this stuff. You know, like uh, uh, even you know, I have a friend who just bought a house, and uh, you know, the you know the first thing she's doing is ripping up the carpet and doing this stuff. And I said, really, you should get a blower door and find out where your biggest problem is right away. Uh, and that's just me having a basic idea that you need some sort of scientific baseline. It sounds like you just said you have a basic idea. That was pretty well placed there. Um, so, you, you know, it is a baseline. That's ex the actual terminology that's used, right? It's 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 what we know is happening. So from, from your automotive side, we, we often laugh and say the worst built car or truck, right, is still better sealed and keeps water out better than some of our best built buildings. Oh, that's funny. Oh uh, well, yeah. it's 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 pathetic, right? But Americans call pathetic things funny because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings, right? Yeah. But it's it's truly pathetic that the Yugo is better than the green lead building with a fancy plaque on it. So uh, I had a Yugo. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> I got it from the junkyard. That thing was great. <laughs> when you have your DeLorean, I'm going to hop in for a ride. Nice. Um, so, so that's kind of the accelerator. And then when COVID hit February of last year, uh, accelerator was not quite a year old. And, you know, they would publish articles and they would try to bring people together when COVID hit, they they connected with uh, Sean St. Amore and Monty Paulson out of British Columbia, who had an active happy hour thing. And British Columbia is very progressive with their building codes. And so they said, we're going to have a happy hour every Wednesday, and we're going to have someone present, and we're going to get together as a community. Well, fast forward to today. That happy hour has gone on for 72 episodes or so. We took wow. August off. Um, and then somewhere in the fall of last year, I, I talked to Michael and Zach who run the accelerator and I said, we need construction tech because happy hour was heavy into oh, yeah. architect and engineer space. So we brought in construction tech and then we focus on the technical, the technique, and the technology. So if, if you go back to the Accelerator website. Wait, let me do is this. Is this the, the trades part of that uh, Friday show? No, that's well, Venus Friday. 
No, oh. Bears Friday is a different show on the on the on the Passbus Accelerator website. Yeah. Uh, go to attend in the second column. All right. Go to construction tech. So we Steve, I hope you don't mind. I'm just gonna mute you because there's like a feedback loop for some reason. There we go. And unmute yourself at any time. Okay. okay. All right. So uh, if if you scroll down to the bottom, so we're coming back September seventh. We took August off, and you keep scrolling down and you keep scrolling down, you'll see all these different projects from throughout North America, and some have been certainly in Ireland and, and Romania where they're doing just amazing things. Uh, there's oh, the one Connor. and only Connor Malloy, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, you'll just find a bunch of, excuse me, episodes there. And the presentation lasts for about 30 to 45 minutes. And then we do Q&A for about an hour and 15 and uh, Steve was on one of the first episodes with Jake Bruton and and uh, and Matt Risinger doing the Columbia Hilltop Arrow project, and uh, yeah, tons of episodes there. So wow, this is awesome. It's really neat because every market has a different driver, right? And you might have an architect working on this commercial building here. You might have. Uh, an insulation expert working on this building in Vermont. And so you're getting the diversification that our industry is so robust on. And you're able to not only learn from what someone else did and from their example, but you're, asked, you're able to ask them questions and hopefully be challenged or challenge them, right? It's a very inclusive sharing atmosphere. We do have rules so that People all behave that way, and and some people have done this for a long time, and some people are new. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot this, of episodes there. Yeah, this is great. Oh, this is the one I found. That's the one. Yep. Okay. The, the beginning of this video is hilarious. Right here. <laughs> this is good. I don't know yeah. if the does the audio come in. Oh, I I could try. Can you it, hear it? Not yet. I don't think it does. But it's better because then there's no copyright striking. Oh, no. So that's what's interesting is everything on the accelerator is is free and shared. So there's no – in fact, we encourage people to take this and learn. If mm. if they come on this and don't learn, like I question someone that, that – that spends an hour doing something that doesn't try to learn. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. In order to get the audio, you need to share the tab. Uh, okay. Okay. You can't just share your screen. You got to share the tab. Oh, I Look see. at that building. Yeah, is that... Uh, that's AutoCAD. Yeah. yeah. This is interesting. Yeah. So you're looking yeah. at Steve's drawings there. Oh, cool. Yeah, Steve, I heard, did the drawings for the house that you built, right? Matt, for for the next one, he gave us the floor plan. But what you're looking at there is that hilltop that Steve wow. did, and then Jake Bruton, who I talk about a lot, who's helped out. So Steve and Jake, you guys heard me talk about a lot. So they're the ones who have really uh, helped me out with uh, these. De they, they've simplified the details. 
I think as best as anybody could and kind of walked me through it and helped me out so I could show the kids how to do it, of course. So, yeah, I mean, it's just so exciting because, you know, there's it's just like I remember <laughs> this is going to sound funny, but I used to go uh, a lot of skiing up in Vermont. That was kind of how my parents met. They were skiers. And uh, when we would go up there, people would do such cool things with the architecture, like in Killington on the access road, there's a restaurant called Casey's Caboose. And <laughs> yeah. And there's literally the train caboose is part of the restaurant. And it was so much fun. You, as a kid, you go in there and you could climb up the stairs to go up to the gazebo area. I don't know what they call that, but the raised roof. And you and the waiter would have to come up there, which they hated. But it was a lot of fun. You had privacy from the adults, and you'd have a lot of fun up there. And I, and all the signs are handmade in Vermont. And then you come back to you know suburbs in Jersey. There's not too much. Like all the houses look kind of the same. They're all like the Sears special from like 1930, whatever. I'll take a Sears special any day of the week. Oh, uh, really? They're good. Oh, they are. So here's an interesting part. So this thing was fully fabricated and finished. You watch the crane come around with this beautiful piece of steel and 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 the vented roof above it, the spacing on there was already pre-thought out. So when the crane cables slide in, there's no dilemma. Like this thing took minutes. I was standing right here next to Steve where this is being filmed at. Like it was awesome. Wow. That is amazing. This is a really cool video. Eight bolts. Oh, really? That's it. Eight bolts holds that thing on the house. That's like the bed of my truck is six bolts. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, and and uh, and and you probably can't sleep in your truck as comfortably as you could party on this deck. <laughs> this is great. I, it's so creative. Like, what a cool looking thing. Um, so you send this ahead of time to the fab shop and then they deliver it and you just put it in place. Yeah. I work with Russell's, the steel fabricator. That's him. I don't even know where he is. I think he, I think he's gotten his truck at this point, Steve, to go get no, a socket right set. There. That's him right there. Oh, okay. Emmett. Yeah. I'm, I'm what, part, yeah I'm right. what part of the country is this? This is Columbia, Missouri. Wow. Beautiful stuff. What We're going to cool. have the house finished in about, I don't know, probably about three, four weeks. Can you, can you elaborate on that? You mentioned about having the, the vents so that the, I guess the, the cribbing or the webbing, not cribbing, but the webbing for the crane went through the vents. Like, can you explain like, Oh, we just made sure that where we grabbed the, the, uh, the deck didn't interfere with the truss layout because we had to slide it in. You know, the straps that are carrying the deck had to slide in, in between the trusses. So, yeah. Oh, so, okay. So and, that wasn't, was that pre-designed that way or was it just? Well, no, no, no. We just had okay. to pay attention to some of those details. So oh, okay, we got right. there, literally, we set the thing in 20 minutes. It, it 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 was it was super fast. It would have been faster, but they brought the wrong socket to the job site. Um but that inc incredible roof in that picture, Tim, that is a vented roof. So look at that Every right there. This is the final setting. It's really slick. It's a 1 in 12 vented roof. So all those building scientists that say you can't vent a uh, 
low slope roof, I say, yes, we can, because we already tested it. Now, okay, so forgive me. What is a vented roof? Um, it means that you drive moisture through there using the uh, stack effect to drive air to remove moisture from the house. It goes up like this, and then what, there's a vent at the top? and There's a vent at the bottom and a vent at the top. All right. And air comes in and air goes out. So as the, the air leaves, new air rises, comes in. Right? Is so it the, the heat? The idea is getting rid of the moist air. Got it. Makes sense. On the Unbuild It podcast that Steve and Jake and his, their buddy Peter does, that's where Steve was saying how they tested it. They took it was I think it was you and Peter, right? Steve, you guys it took was the Peter uh, and Jake, the bastards. Oh. They weren't. They oh. went and did it when I was oh. inside filming something else. I come out and they're like, "You wouldn't believe how well this roof worked." I go, "Yeah, <laughs> it would have been nice to see it." Schmuck well, heads. yeah. So Peter and Jake took the the fog machine. And it, oh, what was it, Steve? Like 28 seconds or something? From... Yeah, 28 seconds, 32 feet. It bled yeah. smoke. So air is moving in when it comes out. Wow. And so, but contrast that to a non-vented roof would be what everybody else has. It's just a... <laughs> um, yeah, most, most architects probably would have done an, an unvented roof in here. And we chose not mean? to because we didn't want to fill the roof with foam. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, right. So, like a lot of a lot of your pitched roofs, like a normal looking house, Ron. A lot of times, well, not every time, but they should. But a lot of times, at the soffit, you have vents, and then it goes up to the ridge vent and goes out, which is pretty common, especially in our area, and easy to do. But for Steve, they did a flat roof, so the one twelve pitch, it's flat roof, and so. I'm guessing, Steve, people's mindset is since it's so flat, air isn't moving because there's no lift. But Steve and Peter and Jake proved that to be untrue. So, Oh, my God. He's an acrobat as well. Look at him. Yeah, he was hopping and running across that thing while we filmed the video. That was, that was, that was like minutes later. I'm like a cat out there. Yep. <laughs> I wasn't. I was on the edge holding the rail, and uh, when you look down on that, where you see uh, the the struts, it's all pre-drilled so that when they run the wood decking, you just zip it in from the bottom, and you're set. And you see the post in the corner. Yeah, this is all thermally broken in there. You can see yep. the deck. No, no part of the deck touches the house except for the eight bolts. Okay, again, you know, an architect, you'd, you'd run a steel beam out of the house and you'd have this big thermal conductor. Oh, yeah. So I just wanted to show people we can do it without doing that. All right. So for to, to bring it down to ground zero, thermally broken, meaning that like you can't you can't it's not one beam going in. So what it does is it's kind of like an insulator. It's almost like uh, you could see it, but it's not touching. Uh, and th that's important. I, you know, because it's like this picture, picture yourself being in Minnesota in the middle of February with mittens on and you decide to cut a hole in and hold a steel rod for an hour. Oh my God. Your hand's going to freeze, right? Yeah. So that's the same thing the house is doing. Wow. That's cool. Now what, but okay, here's, here's like a dumb question. What that's is a good, That's a good example. That really is. I mean that, and, and I'm not, I'm not a, um, I mean, I'm not a building science guy. I'm not. Me you neither. Know, I'm guessing. 
right, that here, was funny, Steve. Here's a dumb question. So if you vent the roof and, 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 and the and the attic, is that part of the attic? And wouldn't wouldn't you have to heat that space then? I don't understand. No, because the vented attic is considered the outside. Uh, it's outside air. So you induce outside air through stack effect and then you release the moisture laden air back to the outside. So you basically scrub the attic of moisture is what your, your goal is. Okay. And that's because your ceiling in that attic is insulated, right? Yes. But the, 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 the ceiling of the your... moisture you create in the house through cooking, breathing, showering, all of that stuff creates a moisture load on the house, which most of it will diffuse through the ceiling and into the attic. So you need to deal with it somehow. And and the ceiling in their space is is the air barrier, and then the the insulation is on the belly of that roof, so that the venting is on the top of that roof. Okay, okay. I have to start. You know, I guess, I guess you gotta you gotta think of the house as envelopes, like areas. Yeah, like 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 they're bubbles, and the bubbles can transfer depending on what the bubbles made out of. Yeah, if I could build a hot air balloon out of a house, I I would. That's my goal is to make it that tight or submarine tight. That's so funny. Okay, I, I yeah, just want to guess... build a submarine above water. That's funny. You know, and it's kind of like you know coming from the car guy stuff. Yeah, so like in the car, you have plumbing. You have hydraulic lines, you have fuel lines, you have pumps, and then you have a cabin, and all of these are envelopes, like the engine, that's an envelope as well. It's sealed with a head gasket. What are you going to do about transferring uh, air fuel in and out? You have valves. So it's a similar situation, but instead of like mechanical stuff, it's a lot of, well, there is mechanical too, but there's, it, it's just bigger, bigger spaces, bigger envelopes, not just small Areas. Whether we choose to acknowledge it or not, everything is a system, right? Our right. bodies, nature, are the machinery we make. Everything is a system. Yes. And including our houses and buildings, they're systems. They have air, they have moisture, they have heating, cooling, ventilation. You have water going through it. You have to yeah. discharge the water. You have to supply the water. You have electricity coming in. You have, like, you know, so... It's a system. Interesting. Very cool. This is cool stuff. You know, it's 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 interesting to think about it like that. You know, uh, coming from layman's, you know, it's I didn't grow up like this. You know, it's just like, oh, you got to they do an addition. No one talks about this. They just think, oh, I want to put a bigger couch in or I want to I need more light in the room. So they think windows. But every time you change the envelope, now you're changing your opportunities to, you know, to connect with the outside world. Uh, so and you change the dynamics of the system too, right? It's like to use your car analogy. If, if I have a little, uh, uh, I don't know, pick a little car. Um, Fiero. Yeah. A little Toyota or something. And I yeah. put a 454 in it. Well, the suspension and the uh, drivetrain probably isn't prepared to handle what the engine's going to drive, right? So 
the part of what makes systems work is most of them are proportional to their components, right? Or, or their components are somewhat organic to the whole. So the same with the house, like it's, you know, when you design houses, it's the same thing. You don't want to design a 500 square foot family room and then every bedroom is a hundred square feet. It's going to feel like you ran out of money. Yeah, I could see that. You know, it's funny because people ask me a lot about converting cars to, uh, uh, to electric and, you know, they, they always want to know, they say, oh, I want to put in a Tesla motor. I'm like, okay. Well, that's like 800 horsepower. So <laughs> did, does the car even run? They're like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't run right now. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, the faster you go, the more, the harder you're going to have to break and right. corner and carry all that extra weight. So, yeah, you can't just throw in a, a, a Tesla motor into any vehicle. Well, that, the, the car's got to be able to respond structurally to that. You know, when you hit the gas on the Tesla motor, it, it doesn't react the same as a you know, internal combustion engine that has a little slack time. It's immediate and it's, right. it's raw horsepower. Yeah. Yeah. The torques are crazy. They break, uh, uh, they break belts all the time. But anyway, so this is, this is very cool. Uh, this whole thing you guys have set up and I think you're doing a good job of reaching out to people. So you do, so you have, uh, you have your show, you got uh, what else is going on? Yeah, what else? yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the Tuesday night show, right. uh, and then on Mark's Friday, like band. what was that? I said Mark's like a one-man band. He's the drummer, <laughs> the guitar player, the lead singer, the marketing department. It uh, it it keeps it moving. Yeah, Friday. Uh, Matt's been on it. Steve's been on it. Uh. That's the BS Friday. BS, of course, stands for Building Science. Um, and then I, uh, that's on the Dave Cooper Live platform. And uh, I, bring, I bring the guests in for Friday. And um, that show lasts an hour to an hour and a half, uh, one Eastern every Friday. And then this week uh, happens to be Joe Cook and Travis from Catalyst Built uh, talking about, there you go, the KC Midwest Building Science Symposium that Steve is a presenter on, right? And Jake and Peter and uh, Randy and Mike and Ben. So uh, that's my guest for this coming week. And we've where, had... Where do we see that? How would I find that? Uh be, uh, Goat, you had it before in YouTube. BS Friday Live uh, should pull it up on YouTube. It, it was the one that you had that I was in there, Ron. Yeah, correct. Matt was just on last week um, and will be on again because uh, we certainly didn't have enough time. There you go. All right. So, uh, I grew up with uh, talk radio, right? Wolfman Jack and uh, um, all these uh, Johnny B, all these characters. So, it, it, when we were when we were kids, you couldn't, you know, when you listen to radio, you couldn't see what was going on. But uh, that's the nice thing about this world of podcasts and live shows today is now you have 
kind of talk radio with with video and uh you know uh so so i usually start the show with with the sunglasses on and of course connor amazing came in and introduced matt did a bang up job got really personal there um he's a really smooth speaker you guys know connor oh um, yeah he's great so so yeah that's been 67 episodes we have not missed a friday in fact january 1st stephen and and uh his daughter alexandra uh were, were guests and we had a good old time right on january 1st everyone else is trying to figure out what a hangover is and the rest of us are working um, so that's the friday one um yeah. And then uh, I, I write for a couple different uh, associations, um, but no Here's one wants Matt to write on there. There's Matt. Finally, he's got the purple shirt, right? Taylorville Tornado, uh, right? The Tornadoes. Yep, you got her. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's it's a funny mascot because it's such a real thing for that area. Uh, yes, it is. Like uh, we were, we were. I think we were Vikings and Titans growing up. I was like, what the heck was a Viking in Chicago? But um, <laughs> so uh, then I guess I sit on a couple associations, a couple boards, um, just because I want to grow the subject, right, and move it forward, and, and I can't sit still. So there's people like Steve I could talk to at 5 in the morning or 11 at night, and he's working too, right? So um, – and then my day job uh, is uh, with U.S. Engineered Wood. So, oh yeah, tell all... us about that. I want to hear more about this tea stud. <laughs> well, at this point, Matt and Steve could do a better job than I could. Um, but it, it, it it's it's really simple. Um, so, for those of you that uh, come from the wood side of things, we take two two by threes align them perpendicular, drill them, glue them, dowel them. And what you're left with is, is, is a basic replacement for a two by six, but it has an inch and a half thermal break. It's four times the strength of a two by six, but yet it's only using the parts of the tree that would normally never be able to be integrated into a large framing member. So that touches on um, the world of carbon and certainly the world of sustainability because we should be using trees for more structural elements. But now that we have this technology, we could get away with it. Um, hey, wait, you got well, Hold on. Slow down here. Let's see. Yeah, I could, I could go fast or slow, brother. We're good. All right. <laughs> Let me understand. This is a two by four, and then it's trust kind of – engineered into this other two by four that's facing the other way is that right it's yeah. that extra, it's that thing that's behind him it's perpendicular so this oh, one yeah, is this one is the seven and a quarter it's the two by eight replacement so this is a three and a half by inch and a half right it's a, it's it's how two by fours whoops yep it's how two by fours are produced and then we either run a two by four or a two by three on the bottom. And now you have this, this dowel, 
right, in between. This is painted, so it shows up on camera. We don't sell them painted, um, although I'd be happy to do it. Uh, and this thermal brake here allows for the insulation to run through the stud oh, yeah. so you don't have the thermal transfer. Like Steve was saying, go to Minnesota, cut a hole in your mitten, and hold the steel rod for an hour to let me know what's going on, right? All right. So that that is saying we can now insulate through the stud, not just put a bat in between the stud. Interesting. Very interesting. Wow. Those are wooden dowels too. Yes. So the dowels are wood. Uh, they have they have grooves on them. Really hard to see. Uh, and. The reason for that is for an increased surface area of the glue because the dowel is pocketed into the wood fiber and the dowel is truly slightly larger than the hole it's going in and the hole is not drilled to be smooth. The hole is drilled with, uh, with special bits that keep it rough so that that surface area is larger for that glue to grab through. I can tell you, I was involved in like 60 different reiterations for dowels. And at the end of the day, we needed to make our own dowel because it, no one can make it, essentially. Mm. Wow. Well, and now can that T can that T structure there? What is, what is that what is that called again? A T brace or a T? So it's called a T stud. Okay. Now can that be oriented in any or put an ending orientation? So it's designed to be vertical wall stud. And this inch and a half can face the inside or the outside. And then the two and a half or the three and a half can face the inside or the outside. So that depends on whether you want to help the drywallers. I'm sorry, the drywallers with the bigger surface area. Or you want to help the people adding like the zip R right? You have that big, thick insulation. This is a larger surface area for your sheet goods to lap and be screwed, nailed, glued. Um, but you can also go every other way so that you have a staggered start on your drywall. And you have a staggered start on your sheathing. And when, when you do the king and the jack studs, this is the sexy part. Now you put one going the other direction and you've got a crazy thermal break that you can insulate in. And um, it's just, to me, that's sexier than I'll get out, right? Looks like a 3D wow. Tetris game. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so Matt, are you using these in the house? Yeah, we get it. We, we get a, we get a show how easy it is to work with kids. Nice. You know, do the ultimate ultimate test with kids, it, right? And is that for the next house, or did you do, did you do that on the last house? No, no, no. This will be for the one we're getting ready to dig the hole for, start laying out the foundation here in a week or so. This wow. would have been last year, but yeah, someone had to invent a virus. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started. <laughs> no, no, no. Just just laying it there. That's it. Uh, <laughs> So there's a bunch of videos there. Steve has done some. Uh, I've been in one with Jake, and 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 then uh, Matt Reisinger has done a bunch of them. We have a lot of products 
coming out. Um, so I support I support the figuring out and the R and D to launch the products, and then I set up the manufacturing line to produce them. Um, that's from a former career that that's easy to do for me. And then uh, I train people on how to use it and get to talk with people that have great projects like, you know, Connor, Matt, Steven, and the like. That's Brian. Brian invented this, and he's got about 10 patents in the space. This is in Newton, Iowa, by the way. Wow. It's a, it's the old Maytag facility. Um, it, the, the, you, if you pull up the Maytag facility in Newton Earth, Newton, Iowa on Google Earth, you will see a mammoth, a mammoth facility. And there's like gotta be 15,000 abandoned windmill turbines. It's just, I've done a lot of videos on that. It's, it's mind numbing 70,000 Maytag workers. Amazing. Where? In Iowa? Uh Newton N E W T O N. I think I think Tim, you're the one that trained Ron how to navigate all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah no, he, he does a good job himself. <laughs> yeah, he's all on his own. Nobody <laughs> guys use like use like a Craig jig to uh drill the holes. Uh so the we have uh we built all the machines ourselves. They're uh incredible bits and and the motors uh, my 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 friend made the the whole assembly for us um so it's not craig at all it's everything was custom built it's patented you got a patent on that this uh this i don't, I don't know if i'm in the right spot oh is that yeah, it? yeah uh it, it, that's that's kind of over by there yeah you'll get to it it's just it's mind-numbing how big it is this is just some of the streets around it, but it you're getting it. there. That's part of it. I like, oh okay. I, I, I don't know if you saw the one video, Matt or Steve, but I was at their train car and that's where they build the bases for these wind turbines. They had, it was either inch and a quarter or inch and a half steel plate. And it was wider than the train car in the entire length of the train car. And I've never seen plate stock that large. It was mind numbing. Yeah, it's right off that little spot there. There you're getting there. It's just, I mean, the place is just beast mode. Um, okay, yeah, I'm, I, I've never, it's I've never been in the clouds, so I, I can't help you orientate, okay. but um, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Ron's always in the clouds. Yeah, here you so, go. This is ATAC Corporation. Yeah. Well, that's but that's just one, right? They've got they've got like eighty buildings on that campus, and then another oh, forty Gates. buildings around. Oh, oh, it's mind numbing. Oh, I know Gates. They make belts. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, they make belts for uh, uh, like like your um. Holding up your pants? Yeah, that too. And also your camshaft. Keep it moving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or your electric drive bike, whatever. Nice. Yeah. All right, this is cool. This is cool. What? God, there's so many things, though. All right, so we've been over here. Let's just let's review. Okay. There's a lot going on. 
let, let, let's review, but you can't miss anything, Ron. We'll have to start from the beginning. Okay. So we got, <laughs> we got GPO, what is this? Oh, G-Pods. G-Pod Americas, yep. All right, I want one of those. That's That looks cool. Well, um, what we could do is we could get you the plans for them, and uh, you can have your school uh, panelize it right there in Joyzy. You could probably pick a lot of those containers up in Newark for cheap. Oh, yeah, they're trying to get rid of them all the time. So the problem with the containers is there was such a push to get it put into the ICC code and our wonderful world of code that they did. And then they snuck in this thing that if it's more than four years old, you have to offline it, that you can't use it for, for dwellings and, and such. So it just created a big debacle of everyone working so hard to get it approved and you know the code stuff is sometimes uh that's like uh, that's a four-hour discussion that i i'm not gonna say anymore on. <laughs> all right we also had the garage like storage shed so it it depends if a person gets it themselves and and does it you can many municipalities get away with it, but a company can't get an older unit and modify it. They they don't want that happening. There's there, there's gonna there's gonna be a rule rewritten. Um, certainly the whole container thing, like yeah, that's that subject besides code. I could talk about containers until the cows come home. Containers are good or containers are bad. Well, the first the first thing, if someone comes to you and says, I want a container, you, you, you got to take your temperature as to what they know, because they they might they might really be learned and they might have put in 10,000 hours and they might be smarter than you. But we know that they were designed to move goods. Right. They weren't designed for people. And so if you take something not designed for people, and put people in it, if you don't know what you're doing. You're going to turn people into, into a locker room, right? It's going to smell. It's going to stink. It's going to be unhealthy. So why would we want to do that? So if we're going to reuse something, right, and we're not just doing it because it makes us feel good, but we're doing it because it makes sense, then we, we best do it right or we better stay away until we learn. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember I saw this one video. I don't know. This is random, but it's kind of related, like, this one lady was talking about she put an airplane wing on the top of her house and she called it recycling. But it took a crane to get it to a top of a hill and they had to get it out of a boneyard and polish it. And I'm just like, wow, that's a lot of work for just a, a trim looking thing on her roof. And it's not even functional in any way. So I understand accents and, and going for it. But yeah, I, as far as like, uh, recycling goes it's more of an aesthetic thing and yeah. it, it probably costs more to bring it up that hill and get it on there than, than so than it's an aesthetic thing and it's not i have a wow story with that so we tried 
we I was enamored with containers and then I got one and started fabricating with it and I was like, nope, we're done. This is stupid. Why am I cutting up all this steel to add steel to add structure? And then how am I covering it up? Nope, this is dumb. I'm never doing containers. But along that way, I was already embarked on trying to get the city uh, to pass it. And everyone that knows code knows that Chicago is the easiest city in the world to work. And uh, right, wink, wink. So, so along along through this, you're done with containers. You've had it. This is stupid. I'm not doing it. And then you get a phone call because you planted so many darn seeds. And the phone call is, we need you to do a bunch of containers. You're like, well, that's okay. I don't do that anymore. And then you're told that the client is the city of Chicago. Uh So we weren't allowed to do it. But, of course, a city has to maintain different rules because it's a municipality, not a a house. And, And so we started doing these, and we cut the entire walls out. So we left the bottom floor and the top floor, uh, you know, sides, I should say. And the other four sides we took out and we proceeded to take that four corner box to a 44 corner box. And the other interesting thing about Chicago is plans and permits happen when they happen. So this one on a Tuesday night, uh, our system is the contractor and the client or person who paid for it, when a permit is issued, you're all emailed together. So the clock is on you, not on the city anymore. That's the pass off. So I got, I got this darn email at like three 30 and I called up uh, a buddy, right? I got a guy and he comes over to the shop, picks up the container, brings it over. We have this thing dropped by six o'clock at night we're popping the sides on we're popping the rest of the glazing in and 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 the next morning we're there like beautifying the space and that night i ish i i I went online and i requested inspection so sure enough the next day this would never happen if it wasn't a city project the inspector comes and he knows me and he's like what what are you doing you're doing a city what how did you how did you call for inspection? You just got your permit yesterday. I'm like, well, I'm caught I called for rough and finish. I'm done. Building's done. He's like, no, no, tell me what goes on here. I'm like, what's there to tell? Right? I deliver this puppy like pizza. We're done. So <laughs> uh that happened and then we did it several more occurrences and it created a whole lot of speculation because people aren't used to that, right? And they say, why did you do it? It's like, because I'm not going to sit there with a bunch of grinders and and torches on a job site that doesn't have power that's owned by the city that has 10,000 people crossing at 5 a.m. No way. So I was literally sitting there with coffee and donuts. People are like, where did that come from? I was like, it, it must have came overnight. I don't know. <laughs> wow. That was fun. That's awesome. Oh my God. So that, that was my container life. And, uh, and then I, I still dabble in it a little, you have to kind of pick and choose your projects because at some point I need a few hours to sleep and eat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the container thing is exciting, but yeah, it's, you gotta be realistic. 
Um, all right, we talked about blower doors. This is your baseline. And uh, Matt's going to be using the uh, uh, RetroTech. And then that's RetroTech. Oh, I talked about, oh, I don't know if I mentioned, but ah, this is something else. But yeah, it was just, this is what we talked about before we started the podcast. But uh, that there's robots coming, software ah. robots and real robots. So if, as it, from an educator standpoint, like imagine there's going to be a humanoid. So uh, well, you know, maybe we'll finally know how to do a blower door then, right? We'll have to depend on the on the human saying, "How do I hook up this tube to what is yeah. this? A manometer? Is my fan backwards?" That'd be really funny to have a robot put in a blower door. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, it's real. The thing is that you know, when Elon says he's going to do something, he does it. Uh, so you know. Um, it might be five years away, whatever, but it's going to happen. So what does that do to, what does that do to manufacturing? What does that do to uh, construction? I mean, it's not just them. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, robot companies out there. There's that, that construction robot dog thing from Boston Dynamics. You know, that's, uh, it's not just Tesla. Um, yeah, what do you think? You want to, you want to comment on the robot thing? What do you think we should do? Um, if it improves quality of life, it doesn't mean we need to have it. Um, while we, while you brought this up it, before we went live, I also brought, um, uh, I don't know if the right word is antithesis, but, um, I brought up my theory that 10 years from now, people will be wanting log cabins. Uh, I, I think, I think there's some folks, um, that are really learned people and they're trying to put their feet in the dirt, their head in the clouds and grow good tomatoes and potatoes and have good chickens locally that, that, that don't want these, these, uh, these towers and these satellites zipping and zapping everywhere. So as much as we can produce technology and we have drivetrains and we have all these amazing things, I don't always know if the amount of plastics and machines and whatnot to produce them are the right things. Because let's face it, we have a crap ton of the best machines out there and it's called a human. So we have so many of us. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think it's neat that it's invented and there's some certain circumstances that would be really safer for a non-human to be involved. But do you need a robot to make you cookies? I don't know. Like, I'd prefer to make them with my niece. But that's yeah. my preference. I can't tell people how to think. I could try. Normally, their stubbornness wins. It just depends on who's more stubborn. Yeah, I always equate this to just the practical side of it. Of course, like, okay, so I drive a five-speed gasoline Ford Ranger. But your daily use, most people have an automatic, and then that's going to switch to fully electric. Just from a practical side of view, you know, um, I don't think making cookies with your niece will ever go out of style. That's one of the best things you could do. 
But uh, from a practical standpoint, it's just like having a smartphone versus a flip phone. Like it's just going to get to a point where it's pretty obvious to have this thing mowing your lawn instead of you mowing the lawn. I don't know, you know. So what, it's like, what, what color is your Ranger? Because I had the 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 Crew Cab Five Speed kind of little gold colored one my buddy bought it brand new in utah and i i paid 150 bucks for it and i and i put on seventy-eight thousand miles on top of his three hundred thousand. same clutch four by oh, four went out same clutch you didn't nice. even need to use the clutch you could literally shift that thing if you know how your speed is and i'm oh, not yeah. a car guy uh yeah so mine is silver Okay. And I, I, it's a nineteen ninety six, so it's the first year of this. Of I don't know what generation that is, but it's, uh, uh, it's, it's the bottom of the bottom. It's a single cab with a six foot bed. It's a five speed. Yep. There's air conditioning, but there's no power steering. Yeah. And the air conditioning was a dealer option, apparently. <laughs> so. So I would say a Ranger is a good, good go-kart for a guy. Yeah. But if there's a passenger, we have a problem, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't fit with a passenger, but I like them by myself. Yeah, it's 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 just a go-around. It's just a, like a, you know, it's it's basically a horse and buggy, you know. <laughs> I can't go very fast. I just cruise around. Um, and But I bought it for a 1000 bucks. And I, I took it from 135,000 and the speedometer stopped at 205. And I'm sure I'm at like 250, maybe 275. I've had this thing for like 12 years, maybe. Uh, but it's great because you know what happened was I, no collision. You don't have to keep collision on the insurance. And I was able to pay off all my debt and, and, and save money, which I used to invest. So it's like that sounds like a commercial for Ford, right? Local shop teacher from Jersey tackles the credit card company through the power of the Ford Ranger. I'm telling you, people, small trucks can save you money and make you money. It's it's an amazing thing because you're not going to put collision on this little tiny truck that you paid a thousand bucks for. So your insurance is cut in half. You got to start a podcast called Ranger Ron. Like, you'd be like the Ford icon. That's hilarious. Uh, and they're great. You know, you, when you work on them, it's so easy. I took the bed off. I can take the bed off in like a half hour now, just with a crane. Done. Six bolts. Six bolts, you're out. And just pull, you got to pull the, uh, uh, the, the wire, one, one connector, and three bolts oh, that hold For the brake lights? Yeah. And then your and your filler uh, cap thing. It's three. It's three volts, and it's a seven mil for whatever freaking reason. It's a seven mil. So this is just you know. Anyway, so that's my truck story. <laughs> Ranger talk, Ron, everyone. Yeah. Did we talk about the WWE before the podcast or during? <clears throat> Education getting you down. <laughs> I think it was up to a slip gym. Yeah. It was before that was before. before yeah you know I, why can't they do this in the classroom something i was talking to matt about recently was the we, we might be in the time of the celebrity shop teacher or celebrity teacher you know wow yeah like and schools need to acknowledge this and embrace it so imagine if you had 
uh, cameras, uh, uh, you know, and you can tune in to a daily operation at Matt's uh, build. You know, he's going from like a foundation all the way up to a house. You could tune in every day or once a week or something, and the school could embrace this. And then, so Ron, yeah. that's really interesting because the Thunderdome, I'm sure, is taking out these monitors, right? Because they're using it for live shows again, right? So right. somewhere in the stardom of the McMahon family, there's 12,000 monitors, right, that got to go somewhere. And why not bring it to the school system and have Mick Foley come in and teach your kids? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You're right. Like I'm thinking of the concept and you're like, well, uh, there's actually like probably more than 10,000 TVs sitting around somewhere. Yeah. Like just with your group alone, how many televisions can you bring in? Right. Amazing. Um, and the feed is there, right? We're doing it. So, uh, call up Mick Foldy, right? Call up the rock. And if you smell what our shop class is doing, Donate and help. Yeah. <laughs> get on Hacksaw Jim Duggan with his two by four. Right. You can run like a ladder, ladders, tables, and chair match. <laughs> and he, he can trade his two by four in for a two stud. A ladder. <laughs> yeah, now two stud. <laughs> Steve, if you can get Hacksaw Jim Duggan to hold up his T stud and say, ho, ho, ho. Then, uh, then, then I think I'll have more projects I can get involved in. That's that's a new wrestler name. That's a new wrestler name. T Stud. <laughs> great. All right, we talked about Kevin, Brandon, lower door. This Kevin Brandon. Yep. I think oh, there, there, this one. It's my favorite. It's my all-time favorite. And was that there before, or did was this a remodel? No. So what's interesting is almost every lot in Chicago is 25 by 125 with the standard setbacks. This small section happened to be 107, 177 feet deep, right? We have alleys in the back. So the bigger your parcel the more FAR and the more square footage you're allowed for the space. So this house here, I have 10 foot basement, 10 foot first floor, nine foot second floor, and did all the copper and steel on site. There was never a house on the site. The guy next to us built that house there. That's 100% uh, copper flashing on site. Uh, it's 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 a it's a solar ready house, uh, and then the entire roof is insulated, and has a, a a white membrane on there, commercial membrane, and a dog house, so you can fully grow things up there, or you know, tan or whatever you do. That's the roof. Yep, uh, and then there's a skylight in the top of that dog house, and each of the the, the door to the doghouse and the, the, 
the south and the east side of the doghouse have a very large fixed transom. So it floods the entire stairwell uh, from from top to bottom. Really nice. But Wait, here, go ahead. Transom. That's that's when the w window is long and thin, right? And, and and traditionally located towards the header or above the door height. That's my definition of it. Here, here's what's interesting. So if you're looking at that newer house on the right, that's the north. And if you're looking at the older house to the left, that's the south. So for some reason, the north wall, it, Steve's going to go berserk because he doesn't know the story. The north wall required two layers of 5 ace jip on the inside two layers of five-ace chip on the outside and cementaceous and metal studs. So the south side, I only needed one layer of five-ace on both sides, wood studs and cementaceous. So while that came from the city that I had to switch the north to the steel, now we're in a contested hearing and I said, well, based on the north wall being steel and all that gypsum, right, um, I, have, I have a question. Can you add to my plan set that I'm not required to insulate the north wall? And he said, no, no, you got to meet code. And I said, well, what's the point? I'm spending all this money on this added gypsum and the stupid steel studs. Why should I insulate them? Because it's not going to do anything. And he's like, it's a slippery slope here, son. Watch what you say. I'm like, nope, I'm choosing my words. Please make sure I don't have to spend the money to insulate the north because it's not going to do anything. So sure enough, I didn't get what I wanted. Um, but instead, we, we rearranged the floor plan on the inside to now accommodate all the closets to the north wall because with such an expensive property, if the people were uncomfortable, they could care less about code or my design criteria. They're going to have my head because they're uncomfortable, right? And I don't want to call back. I want a referral. So we moved all the closets to that north wall. It's a really nice scupper detail there, by the way. Um, and, uh, and, yep, all that is is uh, that's all hardy. That's hardy siding four by 12 and and we do have the aluminum clips in every spot um but that that house is double hung vinyl windows made three blocks away and before we before we insulated that house we were at 0.7 right that's double hung vinyl windows 0.7 so hey, hey mark so for the the steel stud and all the gypsum, was that because of fire code stuff? Yeah, once upon a time, there was a cow in Chicago, yeah. Oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a made-up story with repercussions that the construction community is still dealing with today. It's Wait, those, so, it's those unions or the mobs or whatever, right? Well, the, the union is wonderful. It's the only place to get trained, right? It, yeah. Unless you have an uncle or a neighbor that tells you how to kick butt. You're not going to get trained, but um, the unions are very powerful, oh, yeah. wonderful training in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
I was a union laborer as a high school student working for the lumber yard. Uh, that's a four hour story though. All right. So let me just understand what's going on with this because, you know, can you, can you tell us to me one more time, but as a car guy, so like the North wall, what, what is the problem that they want you to insulate? So look at the space, look at the space between those two buildings. All right. That's, that's five foot. So one, one side of the house, you have a three foot setback and the neighbor has a two foot setback. Well, the same as on the other side. That guy to my north has brick and cementitious siding, but that just happened to be the wild hair, right? It might be, I, I, I really can't give a logical answer, but it, it's steel stud, two layers of 5 ace chip on the outside and hardy or cementitious siding, two layers of chip five-eighths on the inside and then if you move to that south wall that's a regular wooden two by six with one layer of gypsum on both sides and then the the same hardy cementitious siding so so in layman's term there's less insulation on the south side um no exact same amount of insulation the north side has an extra layer of 5 H gypsum on both sides. So that's an R who cares. Um, uh, okay. but the but the the they have they both have five inches, five and a half inches of insulation, but because the north has steel, regardless of that extra gypsum on both sides, that steel is holding the metal rod in Minnesota with your glove off that Steven said. And, uh, and that wall is always hot or cold, doesn't matter, wall is horrible. On the other side, it's just 5 ace chip, and that wall is pretty darn good. I did use closed cell in this house, um, and I, I did insulate between floors as well because this was designed as a quiet house. So there's insulation below the slab. I think we have two inches below the slab, and the roof has four inches besides the open web trusses all right so i kind of understand what's going on the north has a problem because they required you to put steel or they required they, you to put they, extra they wanted non-combustible oh, because of the proximity to the house for oh. fire health and safety okay and then because of that it's a conductor Right. I was, yeah, you're right. I was dwelling on the ramifications that pissed me right off versus the health and safety that needed to be clarified. No, I was just understanding how it works. No idea. Yeah. All right. I get it. I get it. That's interesting. All right. Imagine me at the plan review meeting, right? Like, oh, I was, uh, I was, I was asked to leave. That's what happened actually. Um, oh, I've been to, I've been to some town meetings. It's, it's like it's like talking to a wall. All right, that's cool. Is that the house you just finished working that? Is that or that? No, is I finished that one maybe two and a half years ago. That copper has a real nice patina now. We didn't seal it at all. We did. We did wear gloves on the install, and the lesson I learned on that is a hundred degree day installing copper. The gloves aren't the issue. Your forearms and forehead touch the copper 
Oh and God. that oil and sweat and goop of your body touches the copper and it creates a quick patina, as does bird poop. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. We All talked right. about flower babies, so now I'm mentioning bird poop. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. No, this is good. This is a good overview. You know, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, this is about the time we usually wrap it up. This was pretty good. Uh, you know, um, let me just uh, just take it out here. You know, the only other thing is I can't wait. I'm, I'm going to watch this episode, Passive House Accelerator Solo Passive. Oh, well, that building is, I mean, you're going to. All of these are unique. All of these are very unique, but that building is crazy sexy. And then, so cool. there, I mean, there's some parts of the presentations that go way over people's head. And so, you know, obviously, it there's a, there's a skill set in bringing people up to speed there. But this building is, I mean, to me, this is just pure sexy. Yeah, this is really cool. I'm excited. It would look better without that couch, right? I just want to see the building. I don't need to see fabric. Who cares? Yeah, that couch has got to go. <laughs> got to have the stagers in there, right? It's all yeah. about the, yeah. the, the thing that lasts for six years that's full of stains and dirt. There's the Instagram. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah, so if you guys want to follow along, and thanks for the shout-out right here. That's great. Uh, I this is excellent stuff. You know, if you're a teacher, you got to bring this in. You got to bring this new stuff into the classroom because, you know, the, the, the world's changing as far as uh, the competitive advantage of, of doing something that's uh, more uh, sustainable, uh, you know, in the long term. Very cool. So you got a ton of content. It's just amazing. So yeah, but I have no followers. You want to look at content that's effective. Look at Steve's. That's a fact. I, I have no followers. Look at this guy. Oh, yeah. He's off the rails. Yeah. You know, he knows how to create good attention and to inspire conversation. And the, look at this drawing. You'd mentioned before the envelope. This is, this is not showing you the envelope. This is showing you the details of everything involved. And you see really boldly continuity is key. This is how you get followers. This is real teaching. Like, if they would have had this when I was in school, I would have saved a lot of time in my career. Yeah, Ron, if you want to start learning some stuff, man, go watch Steve's uh, when he brings out Big Red. A lot of it has, it's, a lot of it's on the Build Show Network. It's, oh, that's cool. Breaks it all down. It's good teaching lessons. Continuity can be bad, right? That's the idea. Continuity is key. Yeah. Oh, okay. Continuity is everything. Except if you're talking about like thermal. Conductivity. Oh, <laughs> okay. yeah. Not not conductivity, oh, continuity, okay. right? Okay. Radiant, conductive, and convection can be your friend or your enemy, but continuity is following that line to achieve uh, success versus guessing and hoping it works and then wondering how to fix it when it blows up. All right. Interesting. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, I got to get out of my uh, comfort zone and start looking at uh, buildings, not just cars. That's interesting. 
So there's one of my favorite videos is uh, you might want to play this. Look at that lobster. Um, one of my favorite buildings is what if cars were built like houses? If you find that on Instagram, it, 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 uh, my friend Corbett did it. Uh, Steve's going to Atlanta. Corbett lives over there. On YouTube, what if cars were built like houses is the most obvious, sarcastic building science offsite video in the history. Can you play the audio, Ron? I'm going to try. Hold on. What? T um, yeah. There's a tab I think you have to press first, uh, okay. Tim said. What? You're you're gonna. I want to watch your faces. This I've shared this video so much that people call me thinking it's my video. It is my all-time favorite teaching video. I think it should be mandatory. I for think me. I, I think Tim's I have to share share it as a tab. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I got you. All right, here we go. I might have to mute myself. were built and bought like houses. If cars were built like houses, each one would be built outdoors, exposed, in the middle of a muddy field. If cars were built like houses, each car would be slightly different than all others and would be built under different laws, depending on where in the country the muddy field was located. Each part of the car would be put together and installed by a different company with different workers guided by different supervisors on different semi-dependable schedules if cars were built like houses. Sometimes in the rush to finish the car, the battery or steering wheel wouldn't arrive in time, so we'd just put it on the punch list and get to it later. If cars were bought like houses, no part of the car would be tested by anyone except the buyer, who just makes sure the paint looks nice and the seats feel good. If cars were bought like houses, car shoppers would never drive the car before they bought it, and no one would ask about the mileage per gallon since no manufacturer ever bothered to measure it. Also, I forgot to mention that these cars would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, the biggest thing you'll ever buy. If you hate this story, then next time you shop for a home, look for home performance testing and quality control checklists. Proof is possible. Ask for it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's amazing. Yep. Uh, Cor Corbett Lunsford, uh, he's got a show on PBS. He's a very dynamic. Uh, he, he, he's probably trained more people in the U.S. on BPI than anyone, uh, building performance testing. And that video just brings it home, right? We would never, ever build a car like that. Yeah. That's absurd. Like, yeah, you, you 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 come into the house and you just sort of like look around. You have no idea. You don't know how fast it goes. You don't know the miles per gallon. You have no idea any of it. It could be horrible. You just eh, whatever. The first time I saw this video, I was actually having a glass of milk and it really came out of my nose. I <laughs> I lost it. I couldn't believe it because his cadence. And his way of explaining it is almost to teach you or inspire you 
right? And then he drives in at the end. If you hate this video, right? Like no one does a public service announcement that uses the word hate, but clearly he, he likes the camera. He's really good at teaching. That's not but, even his best video. I feel like Ryan, Ryan Reynolds should have been doing the voiceover for it. That would be funny. Like that, would, uh, he, he had a Ryan Ryan Reynolds like essence about him when he was talking, like that, that little bit of sarcasm and humor, like serious. The, the, dead, but, the oh, Deadpool, yeah. right? Imagine yeah, a Deadpool, Deadpool doing that video. Yeah, then Deadpool, yeah. you guys would have to hire more teachers because you'd have an influx of students. <laughs> this video is for oh nine. Leads to oh the yeah. Attic. Yep. Now a door that leads from the attic into shared living space can really be a big heat waster. So let's see what it looks like under infrared. You can see very clearly the dark area, which means cold. Next to so the that's area, that's Corbett's wife, door. Grace. She's a she's a producer. They're both talented in the Plus, arts. There's a dark band uh, all the way and around. They have an incredible, incredible house. He walks around with IAQ monitors. So when their family and their kids are, are out, they, they know whether the space they're in is safe. He's traveled, him and his wife and their newborn baby and their three cats traveled the entire U.S. in a tiny house that was built to high-performance measures. So it was actually a lab. And they did that, like, I think they had the baby during the tour. Amazing. And now they have a place in Atlanta. Really, really cool family. I've known them for years. I, I was trained on BPI by him and uh, great guy. Where two things come together. And this is, there's a trick to this. In order to make a seal, it's going to go onto the facing edge here that's in contact with the door where the door closes. On the hinge side of the door, Today, that would be a TikTok video that would go viral because someone showed you how to put a gasket on a door, right? Like <laughs> so, some of those goofy things like guy puts on weather stripping and all of a sudden he's got 50,000 viewers. Give me a break. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. I, You know, maybe I could I could do my own little uh, 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 the best I could do, even though I'm in a rented space. But uh I think that we have a wood shop teacher in my shop class who's going to, you know, he could do something. And maybe we'll talk about uh, some of those tea studs and thermal and stuff like that. That'd be great. Well, I mean, think of all the times you've, you've even worked on cars and whatnot, right? Like, if you don't have a conditioned space, you're not going to be wanting to hold that wrench and get that puppy off, right? So oh, yeah. it's not just where we sleep and where we pray and where we teach, but it's, it's where we work and, and where we and get involved in our, in our civic life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just put a, uh, I have the Fierros in the other garage and it was growing uh, like spores and, and mold and whatnot. So I got a dehumidifier, you know, uh, uh, and now you can go in there and it feels like California in there. It's like 40 degree or 40 percent of humidity now. It's amazing. <laughs> you you want to be scared on building science, Ron. Just realize that mold is everywhere. Oh, yeah. Right. It's it's an issue if 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 you don't deal with it. Right. Remove the water source. 
you're going to find a whole different atmosphere. And that's what you did. You did it mechanically, but you probably could have, you probably could have pulled the car outside in this nice weather and let it zap away. Right. Oh yeah. The sun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm working on it. I had to order the batteries (laughs) coming from Europe. (laughs) Back in the day, we'd say uh, clean out the carbs, but it has no car. It doesn't have a carburetor. So, Right. These electric vehicles, you got to like uh, blow off the mold. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, Duke. <laughs> oh, man. This is too funny. All right. This has been great. I'm just going to, we kill the recording, but we, 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 tail, we hang around until people got to go. It um, says it's recording in, on my screen. Yeah, we're going to kill that now. But I really oh, okay. appreciate everybody coming in. Uh, Mark. Uh, Steve coming in, Matt, thanks for organizing it. Duke, as always. And uh, all right, shop class podcast every week. Next week, we got a painter from uh, Hawaii, he does uh, automotive paint. It's going to be all custom stuff. So that'd be pretty cool. All right.